Hello, this is Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today we're going to be talking with Jane Weddick. She's a clinical professor and director of the Children's Law Clinic at Duke University School of Law. Thank you for being here today, Jane. Thanks for having me. Um, and so this week there was some movement in the uh, long-running Leandro case. We're going to get to what that movement was. But Jane, could you start by just telling us a little bit about what Leandro is for people who have no idea what I'm talking about? Leandro is the name of a long-running court case in North Carolina that was filed in 1994 and is still an open case. It was a challenge by a group of low-wealth school districts against the state of North Carolina to challenge the funding system or the funding scheme that we have in North Carolina that results in many school districts being poor districts and other districts being wealthy districts. And um, like you said, it's a long-running case that's still going, but there have been court rulings in the case at various points over time. What have some of the rulings been? Right. So the first major uh, ruling was in 1997 by the North Carolina Supreme Court. And the North Carolina Supreme Court at that time looked at the plaintiff's challenges and said two things that are important in understanding the rest of the case. One is that our funding scheme is not unconstitutional, according to the Supreme Court. And this was under the North Carolina Constitution, not the federal Constitution. It said, essentially, our Constitution contemplates having a joint system of funding between the state and the local counties, which support their school districts. And that getting tax money from property tax is also consistent with the Constitution. When you do that, you have counties where there are high property values that can produce a lot of income for schools and counties with low property values that can only produce limited property tax for schools. So that's how we end up with poor school districts and wealthy school districts. So the court said all of that was constitutional. But the court made another important ruling, and that was what we call the adequacy ruling also known as the right to a sound basic education. So the court said that even though there can be inequalities across the state, that every child should have a floor of the opportunity for a sound basic education. And the state of North Carolina is responsible to make sure that every school district has enough resources to assure that each child in the public schools in North Carolina has the opportunity for a sound basic education. Now, did the court make any um, uh, ruling that the state wasn't doing that, or was it simply saying the state must do that and we, we have no position on whether they are or are not doing that? In the 1997 ruling, they said, we have no position on whether they're doing it or not. It remanded it, meaning it sent back the case down to the trial level court for the court to take evidence on whether we were doing that or not. And that happened. There was 14 months of testimony about that very question. And that ruling made at the lower court level eventually went up to the North Carolina Supreme Court again. 
and that was in 2004. So that was the second, some people call it Leandro II, it's also known as the Hope County case because um, Judge Manning was the trial court judge and he decided, well, I can't take evidence on all the plaintiff counties, which were five, and then actually there were more because there were interveners in the case who were urban counties, they came in, and so there were lots of counties and individuals. Judge Manning said, well, we can't take evidence on all of them. I'll take evidence on Hoke County. We'll use that as sort of the emblematic county, and I'll take evidence on that and determine whether the students in Hoke County are, in fact, receiving a sound basic education. Judge Manning said they were not. That ruling went to the Supreme Court, which affirmed and said at the time, North Carolina was not assuring that all the children were getting a sound basic education. And so then the case comes back with the ruling that, okay, now you have to figure out how to fix it. And that's where we've sort of stalled out, where that happened in 2004. We're still trying to fix it in 2017. And, and the case was complicated by the fact that Judge Manning retired and then he was going to stay on the case as kind of a special judge in the case, but then in uh, two th late 2016, he actually has to be removed from the case and it moved to a new judge, Judge David Lee. Um, and up until this week, nothing had happened since that happened. Right. Now, uh, that's not to say nothing happened between 2004 and 2016. Judge Manning had hearings mm -hmm. along the way. Um, he would order the state to come up with a plan to fix the problem, and he would give the state a certain amount of time, and then he would have a hearing on whether they, what their plan was. And most of the time at the hearings, the state would say, here's our plan, and the plaintiffs would say, it's not good enough. And then Judge Manning would sometimes say, well, I want more evidence, or let's come back in a certain amount of time. Sometimes the state did some things that Manning was okay with, but it kept repeating. They did that multiple times during those 12 years between 04 and 16. Um, and the state did some things along the way. But it's never, we've never had a final determination that, okay, now we're doing it. And, and is, is that even something that you think could ever happen? <laughs> well, it's a pretty vague standard. And to be able to have the evidence that every child in North Carolina is receiving this opportunity would be a hard thing for a court to rule on, in my view. Um, so whether or not we could ever get such a, to such a place, I, I can't really say, but it seems a little uh, hard to imagine. And so this week, there was some movement in the Leandro case. Can you talk a little bit about what happened? Sure. So um, the, the parties in the case, meaning the state and the plaintiff counties, came together to the superior court, to the trial level court, and asked the court to appoint a consultant, an edu a professional educational consultant, to help develop, develop a plan of recommendations for what we could do to assure that every child was receiving the opportunity for a sound basic education. At the same time, Governor Cooper 
issued an executive order appointing a commission, a 17-person commission that has a lot of sort of representatives and stakeholders on it to also work with the consultant to the same mission, come up with a plan, a set of recommendations for what the state needs to do to assure that every child has the opportunity for a sound basic education. And and they clearly think that this is a better plan than continuing to have hearings and, and get direction from a judge. Why do you think they might think that? Well, all along the way, there have been a lot of bickering. They've just been saying, he, state would say, here's what we're doing. Plaintiffs will say, that's not good enough. Back and forth, back and forth. If you work together, that's... It's like settling a case. You come up with a plan that everybody feels is the right plan. And so when you have the parties trying to put all their energy towards solving the problem instead of bickering with one another, you actually have potentially a greater opportunity to do something positive. And um, something else that happened this week is that the state board filed a motion asking to be removed from the case. And I talked to Bill Kobe, the chair of the state board, And he essentially said, this has been going on for a long time. The education landscape now is completely different than when this case was first filed. So it's really talking about remedies for a system that no longer exists. And he went through various things that the state boards instituted that he thinks um, kind of puts the state on track to meeting that requirement for a sound basic education. But what's interesting about this is that, so the state board asks to be removed. If they're removed from the case, then the state is still on the hook, and it raises the question of who is the state, right? And so, so I want to explore that question because I've been to some of these hearings, and it's often um, people from the Department of Public Instruction who are there testifying on behalf of the state. But as we all know, there's a lot more that goes into education in the state, be it the General Assembly and budgets and funding or things that the governor does, and they often don't seem to be as um, uh, integral a role in the courtroom hearings that mm-hmm. I've been to. So, so I'm curious how you see the state in this case and how kind of the division of power might make this more of a tricky case. Well, the state is all of those things. The state is the General Assembly. The state is the governor. The state is the administrative executive agency. And um, in some ways, you know, the state is the court system as well. I mean, we all the branches of government are uh, have a role to play. They're all involved at some level, but they're each limited in what they can do. So the court can say, we have an unconstitutional system because it's not providing this opportunity. Um, And the Department of Public Instruction can say, well, we would do better if we just had more money. So we can't really do anything unless the General Assembly appropriates money. But the judge can't order the General Assembly to appropriate money. And the governor can't order the General Assembly to appropriate money. And so you you do get into sort of a, 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 a kind of almost a circular thing. And if they get all on board, you can maybe have some movement. But, you know, we're not all on board 
thinking the same way in North Carolina these days about mm -hmm. education. And so it's, it is very challenging to figure out like who the state is or what branch is uh, the predominant branch for any particular action that needs to be taken. So it's, it's probably one of the reasons it's a 20 year long case is yeah. that those uh, difficulties of, of figuring out who has to do what and coming up with some agreement among the three branches about what needs to be done. And I mentioned earlier that, you know, Howard Manning was the judge on the case and, and he left. And when it comes to Leandro, Howard Manning is kind of synonymous with Leandro. You know, you say them in the same breath. Um, and so I'm curious to hear from you how you think him being the judge shaped the case uh, for as long as he had it. Well, um, he certainly was willing to let it go on for as long as it did. He virtually encouraged that by sort of continuing to order, come back, let me hear what you're saying, let me let me have more evidence. Um, another judge might not have had the kind of approach or patience or whatever he had that allowed it to go on for so long. But there were a couple of other things that some judges in other states have done that Judge Manning was unwilling to do. And one of them is about money. Um, Judge Manning was never convinced that the answer to the problems in North Carolina had to do with just money. And in other states, the courts have in fact ordered something called a costing out study where you'd hire a consultant and they'd say, okay, here's how much money you need to have in your system to be able to offer the resources, pay the teachers, buy the curriculum, run the schools, in a way that will assure that everybody will get what they need. Judge Manning just never did that, never said to the legislature, you've got to appropriate money to do these things that this consultant has proven to me are necessary to have the kind of system we need. Just never went there. And so it allowed things to churn for a long time because there were never any concrete orders like that. And the Supreme Court, in fact, made it difficult for Judge Manning in, in another way, which was that in the case that went up to the Supreme Court in 2004, the Hoke County, what we call the Hoke County case, Judge Manning had ordered the state to have a statewide pre-kindergarten program for at-risk students. And the Supreme Court said, that's not the role for a court to decide that you should have a kindergarten, or pre, excuse me, a pre-kindergarten program. You can say that in order for students to have the opportunity for sound basic education, the state has to respond to the needs of preschool at-risk children. But that's up to the executive branch to decide and the legislative branch to decide what are we going to do? Is it going to be a pre-kindergarten program? Is it going to be something else? And so the time that Manning did kind of go out on a limb and say, here's what you have to do, the Supreme Court said, nope, not the role for the court. You have to leave that to the legislative and the executive branch to figure it out. So I think that left Judge Manning 
in this position of being able to look at what the state had come forward with and said, well, that's not good enough, but I can't tell you what to do. Go back to the drawing board. Come back and give me your you know, plan B. And, and I don't know if it's just coincidence or not, but it seems interesting that, you know, Howard Manning asked to be removed from the case, a new judge comes on, and then the sides come to this agreement. Do you think that him leaving spurred them to seek an alternative? I, I can't speculate as to, you know, what the lawyers were thinking, but um, certainly having a new judge gives the case a new lease on life, and it probably did spur the lawyers to thinking is this an opportunity? And as I said, I'm not on the inside. I don't know what happened, but it may well be that the governor's office said, I don't want to be fighting against these counties saying the state's not doing enough. Let's see what we can do together to make it ha happen. So the General Assembly uh, switched its power structure back in uh, you know, 2010, 2011 with the Republicans taking over. Um, and the direction of education has gone in a different direction, uh, directed by, you know, Republican principles rather than Democratic principles. Do you think that change um, had any impact on the Leandro case or, or how the parties involved were thinking or talking about it? Well, there's certainly a view that the, the current majority in the legislature is not as supportive of public education as the Democrats were and our resources that we're putting in, the tax money that we're putting into education um, has not really kept up in the same way that it might have under a Democratic administration. So I haven't really seen the Republicans saying we need to do something to make sure that North Carolina is compliant with the Leandro case. That doesn't seem to be a motivating force for them. Uh, they are much more interested in some of these, uh, what people call s school reforms, which would be the uh, using taxpayer money to support private education and giving people vouchers to be able to send their children to private schools, and particularly private religious schools, instead of public schools. Uh, there's certainly been a stronger support for the charter school movement, which is another school reform movement, which is public funding for schools that are operated outside of the, the rules and regulations that apply to more traditional public schools. Um, and so I guess kind of an overarching question to finish this off, where do you see this case going? Where, where do you see public education going? And, and uh, will Leandro continue to have an impact on public education? It's really hard to say. I'm very hopeful that this new uh, approach of the governor's office working with the plaintiffs to come up with a set of recommendations will have a positive impact. I think it's hard to see that the Leandro case has had a huge impact in North Carolina. We have gotten to this uh, place where Schools are measured by test scores, 
And, you know, our test scores have gone up a little bit during the time that Leandro has been there as our standard. But there's no way to say there's a cause and effect. They might have gone up a little bit because we were doing all kinds of other things to try to get our scores up. But whether we now have better public schools because of Leandro, I think is a very hard thing to say. It's just hard. There's, there's too many other factors. It's hard to isolate Leandro. Um, it gives us a standard. It gives us an aspiration. Those of us who are advocates for public education um, kind of can use it when we talk, and I think the courts can use it as aspirational. Whether we're there or can get there, um, I think it's hard to say. Okay. Well, Jane, thanks so much for talking with me. You're welcome. I've been talking with Jane Weddick. She's a clinical professor and director of the Children's Law Clinic at uh, Duke University School of Law. And I'm Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>